Hello and welcome to the Medico Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Dr Jonas Hayes, I'm a foundation doctor. And my name is Emily Kelly and I'm a graduate entry medical student. Our podcasts tackle tough medical topics and we welcome guests to talk about their work in the world of healthcare and beyond. Welcome back to another episode of the Medico Lifestyle Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing a new topic and that is acute kidney injury. Great, so today our case study is that of a 70-year-old woman with a background of osteoarthritis who presents to the emergency department with confusion, oliguria and a three-day history of diarrhoea. Her usernees show that she has a significantly raised creatinine and urea. Okay. So question one, what is oliguria? Question one, it's just like a quiz now. Like. Feels like it, yeah. <laughs> is it oligouria? I think it's oliguria. Oh, I always thought it was oligouria with an O. I don't think so. It's oliguria. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So what did you ask me, sorry? <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? Oh, what does it mean? Um, not, an, or like very little urine. Yes, well done. So it means not peeing very much. And how is that different from anuria? Anuria is not peeing at all. Good. And polyuria? Lots of wee. Lots of wee. Good. So we've got a 70-year-old lady who's confused. She's not peeing very much and she's had some diarrhea as well. Um, the bit that we were interested in is her U's and E's. So what does U's and E's stand for? Give you a clue. <laughs> oh, no, I know, I know. You I know, know this one? Urea and electrolytes. Yes. Show that her creatinine and her urea are raised. Okay. So as you might have guessed from the title of the podcast, this lady has an acute kidney injury or AKI. Mm-hmm. So that's all very well, but how do we define what an AKI actually is? I'm going to go with one of my funny definitions again yeah aki acute kidney injury so acute means sudden onset Mm -hmm. rather than something that's adorable um (laughs) what (laughs) so sudden onset kidney injury so declining kidney function yeah that's that's perfect so as you as you said abrupt declining kidney function Mm um and it's presenting to us with a raised creatinine and a decreased urine output. Okay. Okay, so if we then go for something a bit more specific, so there are these things called the Kadigo guidelines. Kadigo? Yes. Who's Kadigo? <laughs> uh, it stands for... Something kidney. Yes, the kidney kidney development. Disease? Kidney disease, yes. Kidney disease improving global outcomes. The Kadigo guidelines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they define uh, AKI as a rise in creatinine above 26 micromoles per litre within a 48-hour period. Yeah. Or it could be a rise in creatinine above 1.5 times the baseline um, within seven days. Okay. Or by a decline in urine output to below half a mil per kilogram per hour for more than six hours, for more than a six-hour period. So... To have an AKI, do you only have to have one of those things? Yes. Right. So one of those will define it that you as saying you have got, got an AKI. And when we say a rise in creatinine, mm-hmm. what, what's normal creatinine? Well, that's the, the interesting point, isn't it? So when you're looking at a results panel, mm-hmm. they'll give you a range, a normal range of creatinine in the realms of about 100 to 130. Right. Um, but 
our guidelines are saying it has to be a rise in creatinine, right? Yeah. So that would imply that you need more than one measurement, wouldn't it? Yeah, because if you only measure it once, how do you know that it's risen? Exactly, yeah. Now you might say... But what if it's just if it's above normal then? Well, that's the thing. So if someone's creatinine is above normal, it might be above normal for a different reason. For instance, that they've got chronic kidney disease. So it's very difficult to tell with just one measurement whether someone has an AKI or CKD, chronic kidney disease, isn't it? Mm. Now, you might try and piece that together with the history um, and, and any of the kind of sequelae of, I don't know why I use the word sequelae, got consequences <laughs> of having an AKI. Um, but we'll talk about those a bit later. Can I ask a stupid question? Because this is a safe space, right? Yes. <laughs> safe space where everyone's listening. Um, what is creatinine measuring? Good question. So creatinine is the breakdown product of muscle. And it gets excreted by the kidney. Yeah. And the amount that you excrete is therefore relative to the amount of muscle mass that you have. So but you're measuring it in the blood. Yes. So the, the kidney gets rid of it. Uh-huh. So if the kidney isn't getting rid of it... Oh, it will be high. It will be raised in the blood. That was a good thing to go over. Yeah. So the creatinine will be higher if your kidney isn't getting rid of it properly. Why then, as I was saying, why is it a, a change in creatinine rather than a single number? Because people might have different baseline creatinines. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you might have someone who's a big bodybuilder who's got a really high creatinine because it's a muscle breakdown of product of muscle right exactly or you might have someone who's a very slender older woman a 70 year old woman it's probably got a bit of a lower creatinine assuming of course that she isn't a bodybuilder in her part-time um, she could well be she could well be <laughs> so the important thing to note is that sometimes even if you have a what looks like a normal creatinine, so within the normal range, mm-hmm. it could be that, that for that person that that is an AKI because it has because their creatinine could have been below normal range to start with. So yeah. it could have jumped up. All right. So after we've got our head around, <laughs> around what that actually means, we can also stage AKI and the Kodigo people have a, a staging from one to, stage one to three. Um, That's such a great name. It's a good name. Kodigo. I think so. Uh, so they have a stage from one to three. And mm-hmm. if you want to look at the details of that, um, you can look at our, our PDF you can, on our website. Um, but in, in a sense, it's just that a stage one was 1.5 times the baseline of creatinine. A stage two is above two times the baseline of creatinine. And a stage three is above three times uh, their baseline creatinine. So it's just like a severity staging. Yeah. So what about the causes then? Because... AKI has a lot of different causes. Okay, so I know something about this. So yeah. you can categorise the causes of AKI into three different sections. Good. And they are? Pre-renal. Yeah. Renal. Yeah. And post-renal. Good. Now, what do those even mean? What's pre-renal? And what's a pre-renal cause of AKI? So I guess you've got to think about it as like flow to the mm-hmm. kidney that's kind of how i imagine it i don't know if that was the right way to describe it so like anything that comes before the kidney mm-hmm. in if you're thinking about blood supply to the kidney if something's 
happened before the kidney, then that would be a pre-renal cause. Yeah. If it's renal or intrarenal, then it's something that's wrong with the kidney itself, like the actual kidney organ tissue. Yeah. And if it's post-renal, then it's like after the kidney. So things that come out of the kidney. Mm-hmm. And what comes out of the kidney? We. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything in that out of the kidney we section section okay yes so that is that is right pre-renal <laughs> is it's around the blood flow to the kidneys um predominantly around problems with hypoperfusion mm-hmm. so if we think about some causes of pre-renal akis mm-hmm. so what are some states where you have an overall hypovolemia dehydration so dehydration so you've got reduced blood volume because you're dehydrated anything else Major hemorrhage. Major he- yeah, major hemorrhage is, is certainly a cause. Um, so cause of hypovolemia, which would be a cause of AKI as you well. You can tell I've just been on my uh, emergency medicine block. Yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all major trauma, <laughs> severe dehydration. Anything else? Um, what if you take drugs that make you pee? Diuretics. Diuretics. Those, those are the drugs that make you pee. Yeah. If you <laughs> yeah. if you have weed out uh, all of your intravascular volume mm-hmm. um, and you've not been replacing it, then yeah, that definitely is going to be like a cause, a cause of, dehydration. of dehydration. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we said the same thing there. What about burns? You lose lots of fluid through burns. You do. You do. So burns. Um, whereas your skin is, does a good job of keeping all your um, all your water inside your body. Uh, yeah, if you have burns, you lose loads of loads of fluid. All right. Okay, so that's like hypovolemia. What about situations where you have a sort of hypovolemia-like state? Um, so problems where you get lots of vasodilation. Oh, it's vasodilation, then all of the fluid comes out, basically. Mm. So you, you states where vasodilation means you don't get such good flow to the kidneys, mm-hmm. but also the vasodilation in that... Uh, some of these conditions also cause you to have a loss of fluid out of the intravascular space. Oh, so it's like a double... Double whammy. Hmm. So things like sepsis? Yeah, very good. So sepsis is one of the most common causes of AKI because as you as you identified there, mm-hmm. that you have an overall state of hypovolemia yep. and also some of your fluid is leaking out of your leaky vessels into your interstitial space. So you're losing it out of that intravascular space. We have a whole podcast on sepsis. Oh yeah, we do. Where you can uh, where you can have a think about that some more. Okay. Any other states that are similar? Um, anaphylaxis. Yeah. Again, anaphylaxis. You've got vasodilation, all the leaky capillaries due to degranulation of those mast cells, histamine release everywhere. Can you think of any other causes of a pre-renal AKI? What about anything that decreases your cardiac output? Good. So. If you've got a problem with your heart, it's the main pump, it's getting the blood around, and we know that um, about 25% of our cardiac output gets to our kidneys. 25%? It's a lot, isn't it? Hmm. So roughly, if, if that, if the heart's not working properly, it's not going to be getting the blood flow to the kidneys. Um, and so that decreased cardiac output is going to cause an AKI. Now, that could be due to an exacerbation of heart failure, acute heart failure, arrhythmias. MI, arrhythmias. Um, a really bad bout of fast AF. Aortic stenosis. Um, yeah. So any of these kind of heart problems that can cause decreased cardiac output, yes, they can cause AKI as well. What about the blood vessels going into the kidneys? 
Like the renal arteries? Yeah, so what problems can you get with your renal arteries? Renal artery stenosis. Yes, so renal artery stenosis, uh, predominantly caused by atherosclerosis Mm -hmm. in the renal arteries. Now, that causes a reduction in blood flow to the kidney. Yeah, it makes sense. If you narrow your arteries, blood flow is not going to be so great. Yeah, that's an easy concept. Got Uh, that one. But if you get a reduction in blood flow to the kidney, Mm -hmm. it does cause hypertension. You're looking at me quizzically. <laughs> I realise the podcast cannot hear my quizzical face. No. So why, you ask, why do we get hypertension when we have reduced blood flow to the kidney? Oh, because your kidney thinks that you have low blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And because your kidney is involved in blood pressure control, so it releases... Normally, if you have low blood pressure, mm-hmm. your kidney will release renin to increase your blood pressure through the RAS system. Which is a whole other thing that I think probably needs its whole own podcast. Am I right? Yeah, you're, you're looking at you're, me like... No, you're, you're totally right. <laughs> it's like tricking your kidneys to thinking you've got a low blood pressure because they're receiving lower flow. Yeah. Now, a problem might be that when you are at the GP and they're just taking your blood pressure, they see that you've got hypertension mm-hmm. and they think it might be essential hypertension rather than from a secondary cause like renal artery stenosis. And so they might want to start you on some drugs to treat your hypertension, like an ACE inhibitor mm-hmm. or an angiotensin receptor blocker. Yeah. However, that can really exacerbate the situation mm-hmm. and cause you to have an AKI. Those drugs in themselves yeah. can also cause AKIs. But let's drill down into that. We've mentioned those drugs now. I was going to say. So we need to talk about the, the blood supply to the glomerulus itself. Mm-hmm. So take us through the anatomy of the blood supply to the glomerulus. So you have an afferent arteriole and an efferent arteriole. Yep. Which one goes to the glomerulus? Afferent goes to and efferent goes away. Very good. Very good. Have you got any way of helping people remember that? I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) If it's going away, you're telling it to F off. So it's the efferent arterial. arterial. Very good. Um, So. Rude. I know. Afferent, efferent arterial. Mm -hmm. What's the main role of the glomerulus? Ultrafiltration. It's like a buzzword. Very good. Ultrafiltration. Yeah. So how do the afferent and efferent arterial make ultrafiltration happen? Do they somehow provide high pressure in the glomerulus so it can ultrafiltrate <laughs> yes yes they so they provide a bit of a pressure gradient so let's try and think about it in in sense of diameter to create that that pressure gradient across the glomerulus so the, so the afferent arterial is a, a, a wider diameter yeah mm. afferent's nice and wide and the efferent small it's small yeah yeah so you've got a difference in um diameter between the two mm-hmm. and that's maintained on one side so on the afferent side that's that's maintained by prostaglandins, yep. which cause dilation of the um, afferent arterial. Mm-hmm. And what drugs do you know interfere with prostaglandin production? Um, like NSAIDs. Yes, yeah. So NSAIDs, which are COX inhibitors, will reduce the production of prostaglandins. Yeah. Um, and so if you reduce the production of prostaglandins, that afferent arterial is going to constrict. And so you're going to get a reduced flow to the glomerulus. And the blood flow to the kidney is through its um, vasculature of the glomerulus. And so that can give you an AKI. Mm-hmm. Um, more likely on top of another condition that you already have. All right, what about the other side then? So the efferent side. Yeah. Um, the efferent side is controlled by, mm-hmm. by angiotensin 2. So oh. where's angiotensin 2 come in? 
Well, we were talking about ACE inhibitors. Yeah, so we were talking about that RAS ACE system. ACE converts angiotensin 1 to angiotensin 2. Good. And what about angiotensin receptor blockers? So they literally will block mm-hmm. the angiotensin 2 receptor. Yeah. Yeah, so it won't be able to have its normal effect. So now you've lost the vasoconstriction on the other side mm-hmm. with angi- with anything that stops or blocks ANG2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that, again, you'll lose that gradient and lose some of the ultrafiltration. Okay, so just sort of doing that again for me. Okay, for you. Just, just, just for me. Go through it quick. So the glomerulus is supplied by the afferent arteriole yep. going in, which is more dilated, mm-hmm. and the efferent arteriole coming out, which is more constricted to provide a pressure gradient so ultrafiltration can work. The afferent arteriole, so the one going in, is dilated by prostaglandins. So if you give someone NSAIDs, you're going to stop prostaglandin production. Mm-hmm. So then that will be more vasoconstricted. Yep. So then you'll have two constricted arteries, so ultrafiltration won't be able to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's NSAIDs. Then we were talking about ACE inhibitors. Yeah. So... Efferent side. Efferent side is... Maintains its vasoconstriction due to ACE. Due to ACE making angiotensin 2. Yeah. Right. See, I knew I'd, I knew I'd missed a bit. And then if you block ACE with ACE inhibitors... Mm-hmm. You're not going to get angiotensin 2. Yep. So that efferent arteriole... Yeah. See, this is hard. Efferent arteriole will be dilated more than it should be. Yes. Reducing your gradient across. Mm-hmm. So that's ACE inhibitors or angiotensin ARBs receptor blockers. Because they yeah. stop angiotensin 2 working. Yeah, very good. Fantastic. Thank you. That Sorry. is lots of our pre-renal causes. Mm-hmm. If you think about it really hard, I'm sure you can think of some other conditions that cause pre-renal AKIs, but we will not go into those now. Okay. So, the management, investigation, bit of investigation, bit of management, mm-hmm. investigation, hopefully you're going to have figured out um, any of these other causes. So, do they have an infection causing sepsis? Mm-hmm. Do they have um, anaphylaxis? You should be trying to pick up on those. This is obviously after symptoms. you've realised that they have an AKI exactly, through yeah. investigations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what about sort of overall management of someone with a pre-renal AKI? Do you want to give them fluids? We might want to give them fluids. It depends on the cause, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So if someone... Um, we really just want to give someone fluids to maintain uvolemia. So uvolemia being the right sort of volume state. So yeah. they're, not, they're not too dehydrated, not hypo or hypervolemic. Um, we also want to try and stop any of the drugs which we think might have caused or exacerbated it. That makes sense. Um, Obviously, if you've got anaphylaxis, then you're going to need some adrenaline. If you um, have heart failure or an MI, you're going to have to treat that to try and increase blood flow. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. All right. So that's our pre-renal causes of AKI. So we're on to now talking about some intrarenal causes of AKI. Things inside your kidney. Yes. So these are weird and wonderful conditions that tend to get the renal physicians a bit more excited. Um, more so than your classic pre-renal AKI anyway. So, do you know any of these? I mean, I've probably heard of some, like, names, you know, I I can say, like, anti-GBM. Yes, so I'll throw some out there, (laughs) and anti-GBM is one of them. Okay. Um, So, acute tubular necrosis, Mm -hmm. so that's injury to the renal tubular epithelial cells, and that's either after a nephrotoxic drug, so a drug that's toxic to the kidney, Mm -hmm. so that's like an antibiotic, aminoglycoside antibiotic-like, uh, gentamicin yeah 
or it could be due to after a period of hypovolemia or dehydration. Um, but not in the same way as pre-renal AKI works. This can be a bit further down the line, a few days after the insult. Mm-hmm. Um, other problems that are intrarenal, so you can have uh, rapidly progressing glomerulonephritis. So these are conditions, again, of the kidneys um, tissue. And they can have a number of different causes. So one you mentioned, anti-GBM. Yeah. So that's anti-glomerular BM sounds for? Basement membrane. Basement membrane. So that's an autoimmune condition. And that's the one that can present with some hemoptysis as well. It's, like, it's good pastures syndrome is yes. the other word for it, right? Yeah, good pastures is the other name for it. And that, So that's an autoimmune. Other autoimmune conditions, so you can get... Lupus. Lupus, yes. It tends to be the cause of most things. Uh, lupus nephritis mm-hmm. um, and other vasculitis, so inflammation of the blood vessels within the kidney. Um, these will present relatively with proteinuria, so protein in your u- urine, and or some hematuria as well, so some blood in your urine. Other sort of intrarenal cause of AKI we can think of is an interstitial nephritis. Mm-hmm. So an interstitial nephritis is like a hypersensitivity reaction. Um, and that can also be autoimmune or secondary to an infection. Now, all of these sound a bit weird, wonderful. And Sounds like you're going to want somebody who like knows lots about kidneys to yes. like maybe help you yes. with this or diagnose it. or Yes. So this, <laughs> these are kind of the things where you, you really want to try and refer on. They might ask you to do some investigations, and so you might be thinking about some investigations yourself. So uh, they would be things like an ANA or ANCA. So those are like autoimmune, autoimmune marker yeah. things. So anti-nuclear antibody, an anti-DSDNA. So that's specific to to one of those. Uh, lupus. Lupus. Yeah. So that's closer to kind of a lupus nephritis. You might think of complement. Um, as well so that's um something that can be a bit lower in um cases of lupus um and thinking about anti-gbm you can also uh, search you can also search it's not a google search but it's a, you can also <laughs> investigate. investigate for anti-gbm in serum as well cool ultimately um once you've kind of got them onto a renal physician they might want to do a renal biopsy mm. to be able to um actually characterize under histology which condition it is do you reckon it's kind of gonna be the case that someone if someone comes into hospital presenting with an aki mm-hmm. you're gonna look for all of the sort of pre-renal or like the other causes yeah. first you're gonna rule that out and then yeah. you're gonna say actually well they're not dehydrated they don't have any reason to have an aki mm-hmm. let's look into this further you are more likely to to try and investigate for a pre-renal and actually we'll talk about post-renal causes of AKI as well. Mm. But yes, if you if you are not sure of what's causing this person's AKI, you want, want to investigate. The management in general, broadly speaking, uh, is with corticosteroids and a drug called cyclophosphamide. Um, and that those tend to be the, the answers to, to, to any multiple choice questions I put about uh, intrarenal <laughs> causes of AKI. I suppose it's a lot more complicated but yes and apologies to any renal physicians who may be listening (laughs) (laughs) okay so that moves us on then to the post-renal causes of aki Mm -hmm. so you said that post-renal it's about the bit afterwards it's about wee problems yes okay so can you think of of any causes of a post-renal aki anything that might block the flow of urine at any point 
Yeah. So I guess you could have kidney stones. Yeah. So renal calculi, kidney stones. Renal calculi then. Yeah. Or, you know, nephrolithiasis if you wanna if you wanna give it another name as well. Hmm. Nephrolith. Oh, I like that one. Nephrolithiasis. Yeah. Yes. So. One of the classic questions with them are where do you classically get uh, renal stones blocking your ureters? Is it like the pelvis so, or yeah. something? Yeah, there's three so there's three points. Okay. If we're starting from the, the top down, there is the, the pelvo-ureteric junction. Mm-hmm. So the renal pelvis into the, into the ureter. The next one moving down is where the ureters cross over the iliac vessels mm-hmm. coming into the pelvic brim. And the last is where the ureters join the bladder. So the ureto vesicular junction. Yes. Fantastic. So yes, if you get stones blocking the flow of urine, you get back pressure going up to the kidney and that causes damage to the kidney itself. And what's the condition caused called when you have back up pressure and oh, um, like that? Hydronephrosis. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so that would be hydronephrosis secondary to stones causing an AKI. All right. What about anywhere else that we can have a blockage? Prostate. Good. So a bit further down then, the prostate's causing a problem. Yeah. So if, say, you go into urinary retention Mm -hmm. um, because you've got uh, benign prostatic hyperplasia, squeezes the urethra, it stops you from being able to pass urine, your bladder fills up, that backs up that pressure into the kidneys, hydronephrosis again. Other problems that can cause um, blockages of the ureters as well. So you can also have tumours that will block either um, your ureters. So a classic one I've actually seen is a patient who had a prostatic um, cancer that had managed to block the ureters where they came into the um, where they came into the bladder, hmm. and that left this guy with a really really bad AKI. So, what are you going to do? So those are a few post renal causes. What are you going to do to try and investigate to make to whether you think those looking might be at flow of urine? Yeah. So you're going to need to see uh, is there urine flowing? Is there any evidence of hydronephrosis as well? Yeah. Is there evidence of a blockage? So how might you investigate someone for renal stones? Do you do a CTKUB? Yeah, so you might do a CTKUB, which is a CT kidneys ureter bladder. Um, and that is whereby you are giving someone some uh, radio-opaque dye at the same time and seeing if that's flowing into the kidney and then down the ureter as well. Um, you can pick up quite a few renal calculi, the radio-opaque ones, with just a plain abdominal film. Mm-hmm. Or you might be doing a ultrasound whereby you can ultrasound the, the kidneys and see if they have evidence of hydronephrosis there as well. Cool. Again, I think your CT is probably most likely to show you if you've got causes like cancer and things like that for blocking ureters. Yeah. And how would we then try and manage someone? So say we've got our guy with BPH, he's gone into urine retention, had it for a little while and it's caused an AKI. Management of that might be? Unblock him. Unblock him, so a, a catheter. Yeah. So catheter might be the, the best option there, at least to start with. If, say, we've got some stones that we can't deal with yet, but there's really bad pressure in the kidneys, do you know another kind of intervention that you can do? Oh, I heard about this in the hospital the other week. Yeah. They can, like, put a hole in your kidney to, like, drain it out. Yes, very good. So like any good hole, it's called a stoma. So in this case, it's a nephrostomy. 
That's the so one. So it's essentially like catheterizing the kidney from the outside, so a percutaneous nephrostomy, um, rather than a catheter down below. So wherever the blockage is. And again, if you've got problems with stones, you're going to need a urologist to, to have a look at the patient and think about how they'd like to manage those stones. So do they need to, to have a scope put there to try and get the stones out? You know, what's, what's the cause of the, of the blockage? Those, luckily, are quite treatable if you can treat the mechanics of the, of the pressure problems. suppose you might want to look into reasons why people are getting kidney stones as well. Yes. Like that. if they have hypercalcemia for a reason or... Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. So there you're, you're already painting a picture of someone with hypercalcemia, a tumour, yeah. Mm. All right, so it us back to our case. Yeah, yeah okay, so yeah. go back to our, our, our case. What was up with our lady? She had confusion, mm-hmm. oligouria, so not much urine, mm-hmm. and a three-day history of diarrhoea with raised creatinine and urea on her ears and knees. So what does it sound like the most likely cause of her AKI is? She's had a three-day history of diarrhoea, mm-hmm. so I guess she could be quite dehydrated. Yeah. Good. And what about the history of osteoarthritis? What do people with osteoarthritis uh, tend to take regularly? She's been taking NSAIDs. Yeah, so she could have been taking NSAIDs. Um, if she's too confused to tell you, you might be wanting to get a collateral history there. Mm-hmm. Certainly, we're thinking about this being a pre-renal AKI, aren't we, with dehydration. Yeah. And maybe a bit of NSAIDs on top, not helping the situation, as we talked about earlier. Now, if things continue to deteriorate for her, what are the kind of complications that you can get from your kidneys not working, from having an AKI? It does say in the history that she's confused. Mm-hmm. So I suppose if she's got some sort of diarrhea infection, she could have a delirium just due to being unwell. Could do, could but do. if we're thinking about AKI and confusion, yeah. we might be thinking about uremia? Yes, so um, it's sometimes good to try and tie in the complications for AKI, of, of AKI, mm-hmm. with kind of what we say the indications for hemodialysis. So hemodialysis is what type of therapy? Renal replacement therapy. So when we see that someone's kidneys have uh, not been functioning, are not functioning well at all, they've essentially failed, and we need to to help them out by doing it via a machine. Okay, so let's think about that as one complication then. So you're saying uremia, Mm -hmm. so a very high urea level, and that can lead to complications, one of them you think you're alluding to. So uh, uremic encephalopathy? Yeah. Could cause infusion. Confusion? Could cause confusion. Yeah, so uremic encephalopathy causes confusion. And I'm assuming they get high urea because your kidneys excrete urea. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Breakdown product of your protein in your diet mm-hmm. to urea. Yeah. Uh, and you also get uremic pericarditis. Yes, you do. Yeah. Oh, well, you can get. You can get, yeah. So you can get uremic pericarditis. Um, so those would be the two main complications that would also be indications for hemodialysis. Um, the other thing that uremic, uremia can give you is make you feel quite itchy. Mm. So it can make you feel a bit itchy. It can also um, change your sense of taste as well. All right. Any other complications of an AKI? Uh, you can get a metabolic acidosis. Yeah, you can. So kidneys, we know um, that... The kidneys, one of their normal roles is within maintaining the 
metabolic balance of acids and bases, they will excrete uh, protons um, and hold on to bicarb and all those sorts of things. So if they're not working at all, you can get a acidosis, a met- metabolic acidosis. Mm-hmm. Now, number one question, how might you, um, how might your body compensate for that? Um, by increasing your respiratory rate. Yeah, very good. So to compensate for your metabolic acidosis, you might have some respiratory compensation whereby you're trying to blow off lots of your... Carbon dioxide. Yeah, you try and blow off lots of carbon dioxide to reduce the pH, to increase the pH, sorry. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so that's acidosis, and that, a, a severe metabolic acidosis, can be another indication for, for picking up the phone and saying, do we think this person might need some hemodialysis? All right, any other... Um, your kidneys also excrete potassium. They do, they so do. So if they're not working, you're going to get high potassium? You are. So you're going to get the problem hyperkalemia. Mm-hmm. Now, hyperkalemia, yep. this is a bit of a bad issue. Mm-hmm. Why is it problematic? Um, because it can lead to cardiac arrhythmias. Yeah, so it can lead to cardiac arrhythmias and cardiac arrest. So it's one of what they say, the four H's and four T's that cause cardiac arrest, hyperkalemia. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a way to manage high potassium medically. Yeah. Um, how do we manage it medically? Um, we have insulin to drive the potassium intracellularly. Yeah, very good. So insulin will drive potassium intracellularly. So at the same time you're giving insulin, you want to give... Dextrose. Yeah, you want to give them sugar as well as the insulin so they don't get a, a very bad hypo. Another thing that we must do, so if someone has hyperkalemia, you just told me that they can get a cardiac arrest from that hyperkalemia. What do we need to do to protect the heart? Oh, they give um, calcium gluconate. Yeah, calcium gluconate. Which is like cardioprotective. Yeah, so uh, calcium, by whichever means you're you're giving it, uh, intravenous, and that will stabilise the the cardiac membrane and make them less likely to, to have an arrhythmia and an arrest. What is the kind of classic ECG finding of someone with hyperkalemia? Is it tall, tinted T-waves? Yes, tall, tinted T-waves. So there are other ECG findings of hyperkalemia as well, particularly if it gets worse. Um, But tall, tinted T-waves are kind of a classic one. All right. One other drug treatment that can try and reduce hyperkalemia? Is it salbutamol? It is, yeah. So salbutamol, um, and it's at much higher doses than you would normally think about. Um, in someone who is just suffering with asthma. Um, but salbutamol nebulizers can reduce um, potassium levels as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's not working, so hyperkalemia that's resistant to treatment, though, that's a good indication for hemodialysis. Cool. And one, one other thing that we know that the kidney does, it makes urine, yep. it gets rid of fluid, right? Mm-hmm. So problem that you have if you if your kidney isn't working, the fluid stays inside. Yes, so we can get fluid overload. Mm-hmm. So fluid overload in itself, you, you're looking a bit puffy, that sounds fine, but um, if that fluid gets into your lungs, so you've got pulmonary edema, pulmonary edema is a good indication for um, for someone to have hemodialysis as well. That's great. So we've covered loads of stuff about AKI there, and the reason it's so important is that it's very common. So it's seen in about 13 to 18% of patients admitted to hospital. So it's a really, really common problem that you'll see. Yeah. 
So, um, thanks for listening to our podcast today. Don't forget you can go to our website, www.medicolifestyle.com, and you can check out the PDF that comes with this episode, um, which has got all the notes about AKI and everything we've discussed today, as well as some extra stuff on there that you might want to learn for your exams. Um, We've also got all our other podcast episodes and PDFs for you to download. You can follow us on Instagram at medico.lifestyle. If you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, they're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and basically wherever else you get your podcasts from. <laughs>